0: Welcome to the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast where excuses aren't tolerated and results are earned through authenticity, vulnerability, and a commitment to excellence. My name is Amber Furman, success architect, attorney, and NLP trainer. If you're ready to bitch slap the bully in your brain, overcome the bullshit that holds you back and design the life and success you've always wanted, then it's time for you to break your bullshit box and step into designing life and success on your terms. Welcome back to another episode of the break your bullshit box podcast. Today, I have Yogi Aaron on the show. He is a trailblazing yoga teacher who is leading a global rebellion against the harmful practice of stretching. He pioneered the groundbreaking approach to yoga that shows many people how to live pain-free by activating muscles through Applied Yoga Anatomy and Muscle Activation, A-Y-A-M-A. In a world where conventional stretching and flexibility practices are the prescribed norm for pain, Yogi Aaron's unorthodox methods provides a safer and more effective permanent solution, and it isn't being taught by anybody else. Whether at his scenic Blue Osa Yoga Retreat in Costa Rica or through his online certification program, and the Yogi Club, Yogi Erin is dedicated to teaching students worldwide to break free from pain and unlock their full potential and life purpose. What sets him apart is his wisdom, infectious humor, adventurous spirit, and personal healing journey, which distinguished him as a beloved leader in the yoga community. We had a lot of fun on this episode talking about the connection between spirituality and religion, or or the differences in those, rather. The connection between spirituality and manifestation and what makes Yoga is so powerful when we're starting to dig into our purpose and understanding where we want to go from there. We talked about some things related to stretching, which you can make your own decisions on. I'm not a medical doctor, so I would never tell you to stretch or not to stretch. Um, we talked about his opinions on stretching, on stretching, his definition of success, and so many other amazing topics that I'm so excited to dig into with you. Before we dig into that episode, I want to remind you that the Break Your Bullshit Box Academy is finally. Live. I'm so proud of what this project has turned into. If you are somebody who is looking to achieve that next level of success, if you feel like maybe you're a little lost on a hamster wheel and you're looking for what needs to happen to get off, if you're starting to think about the fact that you're working in directions and areas that you don't want to be in, or maybe you want to start your first business, there's so many things that this course could be useful for for you. We're going to talk about so many amazing things in this course, like understanding your success mindset. We're going to talk about how to learn who you are that got you to where you are and how to take charge and create a different outcome than what you have now. We're going to talk about actual strategic, tangible ways to create success things like calendaring and planning and other ways that you can start to really create the success that you want in your life, how to step out of your comfort zone to execute that, how to repeat that over and over again so that you can have the life that you want every single day. Mm -hmm. If this sounds like something that you're interested in, head over to academy.successdevelopmentsolutions.com and Take a look at the course there. It is available for the first 15 people that enroll at 50% off. And I promise you, it will never be that low again. So if this is something that you're interested in, head over to academy.successdevelopmentsolutions.com and get your spot at the lowest that it will ever be. And without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Aaron. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Amber.
1: Thanks, Amber.
0: Um, We did a little bit of talking before we jumped into the recording and just based upon those few minutes, I'm really excited for what we're going to dig into today. I think that um, you have this incredible energy about you and this life's purpose that I'm excited to dig into. So thanks again for being here.
1: Thank you for having me and allowing me the space to share it.
0: Of course, of course. So we're going to get into where you are now, which I think is fantastic. And I've got some really interesting questions for you about um, stretching and your, um, we'll call it a distaste of it. (laughs) Uh, we'll, we'll, We'll get there eventually. However, I don't know very many people who are growing up and they're like, when I grow up, I want to be a Yogi. Yes. So how did we get here? Like, do, did you have that illustrious career and then (laughs) find this retreat in Costa Rica to go get away from like, how did we get to where we are?
1: (laughs) How far back do you want to go? Um, so, I know, right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start at 18, but then I'm gonna jump back. So okay. when I was 18, I I like I think a lot of people I started noticing my body tightening up, and so the you know I thought well I should start stretching, and a lot of people get into stretching, of whether it's through yoga or just stretching, you know, stretching clinics, whatever, because they believe it's going to make them younger and more healthy and i was like on that bandwagon you know and that's how i got into yoga it was really about the physical workout the physical stretch than what it was supposed to be about for me the whole idea of the spirituality part of it was very distasteful um Mm. to use your word and so (laughs) so i just i was very (sighs) to it. And that's where I'm going to jump back a little bit because you asked me, like, how did I end up being a yoga teacher in Costa Rica? You know, I was raised in a very kind of Pentecostal fundamentalist Mm -hmm. Christian um, background. And, you know, there's a lot of positive things about it. I grew up in a very strong community. It was very fellowship oriented. And I think, you know, I I think there was a part of me that wanted to be a preacher when I was like five. My mother Mm -hmm. has a picture of me having all my stuffed animals lined up and I'm giving them Sunday school. So, but you know, when I, by the time I was 18, I was like very to anything that was sort of spiritually related. I just kind of wanted to shun all of that. What do you think made that shift to go from...
0: That supportive environment to wanting to distance yourself from it. What do you think made that 180?
1: I think that there's a few things. I think that, and I could go on and on and on about this, but one of the things was I wanted something tangible for me the whole idea of you know the whether you're a Christian, a Buddhist, a Hindu, whatever, it requires you to believe in something woo-woo. And I just wasn't there. I felt like I needed to, you know, if I couldn't see it, if I couldn't touch it, then it wasn't part of my makeup. And I will just add though, that as I got into yoga, the, one, the very first thing that happened was as I got into the physical part of it, I suffered a lot from ADD and it really helped me to concentrate like in a very profound way. I felt like I was able to through the power of concentration, be able to harness energy and pour that energy into manifesting uh, whatever it was that I was working on and, and direct me in my life purpose. So, I'm, and and now I can say like I'm a dog with a bone. Like once I focus on something, I don't let go until I, you know, get there. But as I got more and more deeper into yoga, I felt like that world, that veil between the seen and the unseen was starting to come down. And there was a part of me that was started to soften in that area.
0: I can definitely relate to that. Um, Interestingly, I, it always... It always makes me smile a little on the inside when people um, start their story talking about this strict religious background that they have, Mm -hmm. because I grew up in a a Mormon environment and I felt the same way, right? Mm -hmm. And interestingly, my journey was very similar to yours as far as pushing away the religion and then having to figure out where that... Where that line was, and separating religion and spirituality, and mm-hmm. what I always think is so interesting is how many of us end up talking about purpose and yeah. fulfillment and satisfaction and manifestation and affirmations and all of this stuff that we do, which by definition requires us—excuse me—requires us, require, excuse me, requires us to, to believe in something that we can't see and touch and yeah. and feel. But it's different than what we were asked to believe in before, right? Yeah, um, it's the for me, it's the the permission to question that I didn't always feel was possible in in that strict religious environment. Um but I bring this up to ask, do you think now that you've been practicing yoga and you're holding these retreats and doing all the things that you're doing now, have you? allowed that spirituality aspect to re-enter into your life? And if so, what role has that had in your success?
1: Absolutely. I, as I was saying a little bit before, as I got into yoga, that kind of veil between the unseen and seen started to become thinned. And I sensed that I needed a teacher and that kind of, intention of wanting to find a teacher led me to my teacher Rod Stryker who I feel like was the first person that literally tore back that veil and you know there's a lot to unpack about I think you know both of ours sort of you know upbringings but I'm going to speak more to mine I think that that the kind of rub and I look back at this a lot and I think the rub is like you just have to believe, you know, there's mm-hmm. like this thing about you just have to believe and what yoga does. And and so that, that you're kind of going out of yourself to find something, find Jesus, find God, whatever it is. Okay. So I'm going out of myself, but yoga is about going within yourself. And, you know, the yoga sutras is, is very systematic scientific approach to going in yourself and sutra one, three, says that when we, when we experience yoga, there's a feeling of being completely at rest within yourself. Mm. And in order to do that, you have to go within yourself and you have to do the work.
0: And that's very empowering. (laughs) Yeah. It's so much easier to focus outside of ourselves though. Yes. So much easier to, (laughs) to look out into the world and find everything that's wrong with it and blame all of that. Right.
1: Yes. Uh, Yeah. But what I wanted to say was that Rod was the first person to show me that kind of roadmap within myself. And he was the first to tear that veil back. And one of the things that Rod did pretty much when I first met him was he gave me a practice, a spiritual practice. mm -hmm. And up until that point, I only had a physical practice, but Rod gave me a spiritual practice. And I part of I always tell people it was that spiritual practice that helped me to tap into the seeds of my purpose which led me then to you know do the work I did in New York and then end up you know end up in Costa Rica where I am right now so yeah I think
0: there's, there's this level of opportunity that comes with letting go of like our bulldozer that we try to no. go through life as, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I, 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 it's interesting to me how many of these conversations that I'm having on this podcast right now are tapping into the spiritual side of things because. Going back to when I started my personal development journey, which really I didn't know I was starting. I thought I was just going to learn how to make more money because that was the problem. If I make more money, then nothing else will matter. So teach me how to make more money. Mm -hmm. And I happened to walk into the right teach me how to make more money seminar, which was actually a teach me how I'm the problem in my Mm -hmm. life seminar. <laughs> Which I did not sign up for. Um, but one of the things that they handed out to us in this short boot camp that we did was um, what's known in the coaching world as the wheel of life. Are you familiar?
1: I've never heard of the wheel of life.
0: Okay. So I know about the, the karmic of, wheel.
1: <laughs> right. So the wheel of life is
0: is a way to judge and determine your work your work life harmony rather than work life balance, right? And so it looks like a trivial pursuit piece and it's got eight or nine different sections on it. It's got to be even. So it's got eight sections on it. And there are things like health and knowledge and career and money and spirituality and all of these things. And you rank yourself from a zero to a 10 rather than just saying work on one side, life on the other, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting in this seminar that's supposed to teach me how to make more money. And I'm looking down at this life wheel and I get to this spirituality thing and I slowly raise my hand and she says, yeah, Amber. And I said, what do we do? if something that's on this paper doesn't apply to us and she goes, what do what, you, what do you think doesn't apply to you? And I said, this spirituality thing, like I don't need any of that in my life. Um, so what can I replace it with? And she's like, well, it's your life. Replace it with whatever you want. And I could see in her face cause she's former military and um, very type A personality. And I could see the, knowing like I've been where you're at before and I can't wait until you realize how much you actually need this. But she couldn't tell me that because I never would have listened. So Mm -hmm. I scratched off spirituality. I don't even remember what I put it as. And this was in 2018. So we're talking five years later and I'm having conversations on my podcast about the power of spirituality and letting it back into my life. And similar to what you just said, um, mm-hmm. it was that moment that I realized that I needed it and started mm-hmm. to seek it out. That the unhappiness of the profession that I was in, the desire to fill the need to fill everything around me, the um, external seeking for accomplishments, that that started to quiet, and I was able just to sit and learn and listen and shift right from this high profile attorney world, excuse me, into the softer coaching world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that everybody, and and I'm asking this for a purpose. I know it's kind of drawn out. Um, everybody, <laughs> everybody I think goes through this arc. And I see so many people on day to day that are still at that um, I don't need softness in my life. I don't need spirituality in my life. Just show me the problem. I'll show you the solution. We'll yeah. fix it. We can move on to the next thing. And that's how I live my life. The me that existed in 2018, 19, if you would have talked to me about yoga, I wouldn't have even listened to anything you said after that. Cause I don't need mm-hmm. it. Yeah. How do you get through and start to plant seeds for people when it comes to yoga about the benefits of it, Um, when they are still so in what I'm going to call the bulldozer effect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that there's different kinds of people. And so one kind of person is the person, I think maybe where you were at, where you're just not going to hear anything. It's just yoga and you just kind of blank out. And you know, those people will show up when they're ready to show up. Um, a lot of people, that are sort of on the edge of that category definitely are going to yoga classes. And they tend to gravitate towards more what I sometimes refer to as the more physical kind of yoga classes, you know, the yoga classes where the teacher doesn't chant Om, they don't mention chakras, they don't mention anything spiritual. It's kind of like their opening statement is we're going to kick ass today. And it's really, you know, a fitness class, With the title of yoga, and that's why they go to it because it makes them feel good, and then you know, then they get to wear their little doily of well, I did yoga, I'm a good person, and (laughs) so, but here's the thing: it's like what happened to me was is what happens to a lot of people that when you start to breathe in an intentional way, when you start to add breath to anything, the breath starts to have an incredible shift in our momentum now if you want to get a little um, woo-woo it it has a little shift in our, in our energetic momentum. So all of our energy um, is going one direction in life, you know, and and whether that direction is chaotic or scrambled or whatever, you know, we all have a direction we're going. When we breathe differently, it shifts that energy. Now, if we want to look at it physiologically, there is a shift in our neuro, neuro nervous system. When we breathe differently, we start to shift the way that our nervous system is the most simplest way to say that. And this, it's a little bit more complex than this, but the most simplest way is like we go from fight or flight to rest and digest. Now, if that starts to happen with people they go to that rest, digest state, they see life differently. And in that pause, in that rest and digest pause, they, they get a chance to make decisions differently and then their life's outcome starts to shift and that's just, that's just happens. I mean, that Mm -hmm. just happens. So when, if we get people out of that state and then in that state of rest and digest in that pause state, they go, wow, life looks a little different maybe I need to reevaluate a few things, (laughs) make different decisions. And I have talked to countless people like you and myself who have been in that like screw spirituality, you know, I'm in it for the workout, whatever. They do some yoga and then all of a sudden they completely flip the script. And it's like, I need to know more about myself. That's a really cool thing to happen. But I think it's also just testament to the power of breath.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: what we, we just do, we undervalue, I think, in our society, the importance of breath and, and its role in the way that we think and the way that we are and how we emote through life.
0: I think we. I, I love that statement because I think that we undervalue a lot. We get into this. <laughs> we get into this um, expectation that we're going to wake up in the morning and that all of our muscles are going to work and that the sun's going to come up and we're going to function. And no. and I talked about this with somebody um, over Christmas, where when we really step back and we think about how incredible our bodies are and mm-hmm. how capable they are of healing themselves and growing and and doing all the things it is that our body can do yet 95% of what's going on around us we are completely oblivious to we woke up now we are in control we yeah. create things and it's interesting because i can see it in the way that i teach or and have taught in going through like blog posts and podcasts because I do believe that in order for us to have what it is we want in life, the first step is to acknowledge that we're responsible for everything that goes on. But then there's also this other side of responsibility, which is control and letting Mm -hmm. that go. And it took me a really long time and I think I'm still figuring it out to reconcile being responsible for the things that have happened in my life and letting go of control of the fact of things that are about to happen in my life and reconciling those two because I think that's the sweet spot um, that it takes some real intentional work to get to.
1: Yeah, one of the first lessons I try to impart on my students in my immersions, not in a general state, but people who come and study with me is this idea this idea of holding space, of of creating a container. So what you just said was very profound. Yes, I am 100% accountable for what happens to me in my life. And when I take that position on, it gives me an opportunity to pause and then decide how I'm going to react rather than my immediate reaction of like, oh, poor me, this, I'm such a victim. This is happening to me. And then I just kind of react as a victim or I react with vengeance or I react out of anger or retribution. But when I, or, but also the same thing with love or joy or the good things that happen, you know, something good happens and we want to, you know, dial 20 of our friends and immediately explode on them and kind of brag to them about all of the good things that are happening to us. In yoga there's this idea of and this is kind of like the letting go of control part I think is just sitting with something. Learn to sit with things, you know, sit with our joy, sit with love, sit with um anger, sit with 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 whatever is happening to you in your life that comes into your space. You don't have to react. There's been th- times in my life when something has, I don't like this word triggered. I'm gonna use another word, push a button on me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feel no, like triggered and, and um, overused.
1: Yes, the but but anyway, something my anger button has been uh, pushed, and and sometimes it takes me six months of just sitting with it and going, What's what unresolved desire is behind. Mm-hmm this, that is yearning to be uh, looked at, that's yearning to be heard. And behind all anger is really unresolved desires that are yearning to be fulfilled within us. And sometimes it takes a while to just sit with things. And, And so that's the part of yoga that we teach ourselves is just sitting with something. We don't have to answer it right away. And You know, coming back to my kind of Christian background, you know, there's a quote from Mother Teresa who says, God speaks and the heart listens. And so part of us is just sitting with stillness, sitting with silence and allowing the divine. And if you want to call it the universe or your spirit or your intuition, whatever you want to call it, but just sitting in stillness and the capacity to do that and allowing what's ready to be born to come out and and be acknowledged.
0: I love so much about what you just said. And very first let's talk about the anger and the unresolved desires. I talk about this all the time with my students and my coaching clients because inevitably I get a call from them once a week <laughs> and always like the sky is falling and my yep. employees did this and my husband did this and my wife did this and um, my my spouse made me feel this way and, and all the stuff goes on and and um, when we, my favorite phrase to tell them, is that their actions are all about them and your emotional response is all about you. So let them have their actions because I can't control that. And let's dig in and figure out why you have this emotional response
1: because mm-hmm.
0: that's where the gold is at, right? And I feel that's like cool. it takes that ability to step back, which sometimes we can't do on our own. I, if, you know, when I was having panic attacks and anxiety attacks, if one more person told me it's okay, Amber, just take a deep breath, I was going to. Not pick them. Right. <laughs> because that's what I'm telling you that I've physically been trying to do. Like when you're in the middle of an anxiety attack or a panic attack, sometimes it feels like it's taking all of your conscious effort to will your body to breathe. So then mm-hmm. when somebody looks at you and they say, just take a deep breath, you're like, motherfucker, I'm going to drop you. Right. <laughs> 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 been trying. Um And I'm always so thankful that I walked into the rooms that I walked into because I feel like when we find these things, similar to you saying about your teacher and your Mm -hmm. first guide, um, when we find these things, often it's not what we're looking for. And it happens to be a byproduct of what we thought we wanted. And Mm -hmm. I happened to walk into a sales training where the full training was led by one woman who I very much associated with, who is type A and military and business ownership and all this stuff. And then her wife who talks to trees for nine hours a day. And (laughs) it it was that softness of seeing the two of them together, um, Mm -hmm. that opened that up for me that like, it's okay to let that guard down a little bit. Mm what is it that you think are some of the biggest misconceptions about what yoga is in the mainstream understanding of it?
1: The biggest misconception about yoga. Well, first and foremost, that it is about stretching. <laughs> that yoga has nothing to do with stretching or how flexible you are. Um, and it's also not about at all about making a posture perfect or, you know, trying to perfect a posture. It's, it's completely misunderstood about these, the way that we're supposed, the way, the reason why we're supposed to practice yoga posture. So that's like at the top of the list. And, and that yoga is this kind of loosey-goosey, airy-fairy kind of spiritual practice that's about unicorns and rainbows. And you kind of get this sense from a lot of people that it's like, whatever. If if you ask a thousand yoga teachers what yoga is, you would be hard-pressed to get a good answer out of any of them. I mean, some of them, and probably a lot of them, would say yoga is whatever you want it to be. I mean... You know, that's not helpful that's not helpful and it's just completely wrong um and so you know we get very clear picture in the yoga sutras what yoga is i was mentioning a little bit before that yoga in the third sutra patanjali says when we when we experience yoga and what is yoga yoga is the cessation of thoughts more specifically the slowing down of our thoughts so that they peacefully go or flow inward, And when that happens, we become completely at rest within ourselves. At the beginning of the sutras, there's this denotion of that yoga leads us on the path inward so that we can understand who we are at every level and have the courage then because when we know ourselves at every level, we innately have courage to go out to fulfill life's purpose. So that is, that's what yoga is about that at the end of the day, that is what yoga is.
0: So I want to circle back to the stretching. We've touched on it a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Um, the part When I read your um, profile and um, connected. when I say that, for those of you who are listening, we connected on a service called Podmatch, which is fantastic. If you are a podcaster or a podcast guest, you should definitely go check it out. And as I was reading um, your, your profile on Podmatch, I was laughing so much inside because I stretch now more than I ever used to before. And I don't mm-hmm. stretch. Ever. And my mom was a gymnast. And it's so funny because um, part of my story is running a 24-hour obstacle course race in 2017. And I remember thinking I was going to be able to make it through that without any stretching. Um, and my mom, I'm, I'm a 30, Got it, at that point in time, I was 35 years old. And it, waiting in the line to go to a porta potty after running for 18 hours, and I've still got six more to go. And my mom is like following me to the bathroom and making me lay down so she can stretch my legs for me while I'm in line to go. Right. Because I don't stretch ever. Uh And so I'm sure when we talk about this distaste for stretching, that you're not telling people that they shouldn't exercise their muscles and stretch them so that they're limber. You're saying, And I don't want to put words in your mouth that stretching is not the end all be all to where your solutions come from. Is that what I understand? Both. (laughs) let's (laughs) break down that. Because the last thing that I want is for you and I to get an angry email from someone that's like, I quit stretching because Amber and Aaron told me to, and now like I can't walk.
1: Well, probably if they're stretching, they probably can't walk. And if they <laughs> stop stretching, they'll be able to walk. Um, so stretching, okay. So I I got into st- as yoga for stretching, as I mentioned to you. And very quickly, I hurt myself. And my back seized up. And I was 18 at the time. And then after that, I started developing back problems. What did mm. I do? Stretch, Stretch. more and, uh, got more and more into a stretching kind of practice. And it took me 25 years. I ended up in an emergency room of a hospital with an orthopedic surgeon telling me I was going to need a spinal fusion in my lower back because I have compromised disc issues as a result of all the stretching and, and things that I was doing. And, What I got got into, and and this is just the short story, so I'll try and make it brief just for the purpose of this conversation. But I started studying muscle activation technique, which was developed by Greg Roscoff in Denver. And in that, I started to learn and understand the, the biomechanics of what happens when we stretch what happens when we stretch and I remember somebody did a demonstration on me. One time they got a, they got my muscles strong specifically. It was my hip flexors. They got my t- hip flexors strong. They tested them. They tested strong. Then they did this really passive, gentle stretch on me on that side with the hip flexors and there was no, there was nothing. There was no strength. It just completely Interesting. left. And that was my red, uh, my light bulb moment when I realized that what stretching was doing to people and how easy it was. This is—it's not the best biomechanical term, but it's one that works—is um, shutting the muscles down. Stretching literally shuts muscles down, so they lose their ability to contract and contract on demand. Um, I can get into the science a little bit more deeply, but in short order, they just make muscles weaker. Mm. Now, if you're, this is important because people will go, well, the muscles come back and that is true. The muscles come back. If you're young, you're healthy, you don't have any stress, you don't have any trauma and you're not overusing your muscles. So in short order, Like, yeah, they can come back. That's why you see Olympic uh, gymnasts, um, you know, these 16, 17, 18-year-olds. But did you know as a fact that about 93% of of, uh, professional gymnasts need some sort of surgical intervention uh, in their life? 93%. How much of that do
0: you think (laughs) is because of the stretching and how much of it is because of the physical toll that they put on their body though?
1: Uh, I do know that the stretching is not helping and they're moving themselves passively. I mean, again, this is, I get really deep into this, but when you start opening up a range of motion in your body without having the muscles working properly, AKA stabilizing those joints, it's going to have a negative effect. And then you compound that with the amount of, of, of. You know, abuse, for lack of better words, at this moment, that they're constantly putting on their body, you know, all those tumbles and all of those whatever they're doing, it's going to have a very detrimental effect. So I think it's a combination of everything, but we see more and more people in the yoga world who have had a lot of stretching ending up in going in surgeries. Case in point, I end up in the hospital and surgeons telling me we might need to do surgery on you. We might need to actually do something to your lower back. And so what, where I come in and I say, okay, let's stop stretching and let's actually improve muscle function. So Mm -hmm. if stretching is depleting muscle function, what do we need to do to improve muscle function? The short answer is let's get the muscles activated. Let's start to improve the muscles ability to contract and contract on demand So they're able to stabilize joints and move bones properly.
0: Okay. And I mean, is this the, so is what you're talking about, does it result in the increased flexibility and things to that effect the same way that, that stretching would, or are you saying that that flexibility doesn't actually need to be expanded?
1: So this is a very interesting discussion, because if you go on your Facebook feed and start searching, stretching and stuff, you'll get a lot of stuff showing up and you'll get like, you know, people saying, well, you should be able to do this and you should be able to do this. And this is, you know, healthy range of motion. Really? Like, really, why are you telling? Why, where are you the person to say what a person should be able to do? Here's my definition of healthy range of motion that you can move through life with ease and without pain.
0: (laughs) Sounds about, um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) one of the questions I constantly ask my yoga students, they say to me, like, Yogi Aaron, there's this pose that I want to do, and you know, everybody in my yoga, um, Community is doing this pose and trying to get their foot behind their head with the other foot up in the air, and and I just turn to them and I say, why?
0: That's what I'm thinking. That's so horrible.
1: Why do? Why is it important for you to do this? And here's the other important question for people if they're going to get into yoga: is like how much flexibility do you need to have to be happy? Cause you keep seeing people like going deeper and deeper into yoga poses. How deep do you need to go? What it, what does it even mean? So yeah, when you have stability and this is important when you have, when you just create flexibility, you're going to create instability all the time, all the time. If you're going to focus on flexibility, you're always going to have instability. When you have instability, you're always going to be vulnerable and open to injury. If you work on creating stability and get the muscles activated, when you have stability, you will have all the mobility that you ever want in the world. And here's the truth. I haven't stretched in the last six years since I ended up in the hospital. I have more range of motion now than I ever have.
0: Interesting. Mm -hmm. So for anybody who's listening to this, that is finding this concept fascinating and wants to know more, you have a fantastic book called Stop Stretching, a um, new yogic Mm -hmm. approach to master your body and live pain free. Tell us about the book. When did you decide to write this?
1: So my progression has been slow (laughs) (laughs) and I got to a point uh, a couple of years ago where somebody on my team was like, Aaron, you need to write a book for your yoga students and be able to put all of this information there and put it into your curriculum. And I kind of took stock of like a lot of the quote unquote yoga books that are out there. And we were talking earlier about how yoga teachers can be very woo woo and so i wanted to put something out that was more scientifically based but also fun and interactive Ooh. and experiential to me like you know learning anatomy when i was in school like as a kid was such a painful experience because it didn't like it didn't get into my body i didn't understand it so the purpose of this book is to teach people like some basic biomechanical functions, but make it interesting and then also give them some exercises and ways that they can start to feel like they're accessing their body. And I think one of the biggest kind of compliments that I've received from people that do this is they always, and, and usually yoga people tell me this more often, it's the first time that they felt like they're in their bodies in their whole life. Mm-hmm. And Interesting. That's a, that's a big gift.
0: So you and I share a common mission of helping people understand and really chase their, well, I hate the word chase, understand and pursue their life's purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the correlation between a practice of yoga and the ability to start to understand that
1: purpose. The correlation is that through a yoga practice, and by yoga practice, I'm kind of referring to a few things. One, it could mean a movement that has intentional breath, okay? And that's a loaded statement, by the way. That could take a while to unpack, but let's just say that for now. Let's just say intentional breath. Or some sort of practice that is using intentional breath, could be a sitting practice, could be even dancing, it could be walking. But when we start to do something with intentional breath, we start to slow down. There's a there's a slowing down in our nervous system. And so many of us are busy, you know, we're proverbial tigers chasing our tail in life thinking that if we could only catch the tail, we're going to be happy, but the tail is always out of reach. And so our dreams are always at a distance. You know, if we just stopped for a moment, you know, we realize we're already living the dream. We're already here. We've already arrived. And another thing starts to happen is that we go home within ourselves. Sutra Mm. one, three, we go deep within ourselves. And in that space, there's stillness. And it's that stillness that just magic just happens, you know. So, you know, you probably relate to this a lot. You know, there's so many of your clients that are constantly like searching, 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 searching. They just need to stop for a moment. And in that moment of stopping, they're just like, oh my God, I got the answers. People come to my yoga immersions, they're 14 days long. And on day one, they always say, If I could just at 14 days, get the answers to my questions, I would be so happy. You know, I come here feeling fulfilled. And then by day three, I always do a check-in and they're like, I've already not only had answers to my questions, but I've had answers to all my other questions. And what are we working towards? We're working on just getting still and quiet. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely,
0: I can definitely relate to that. And I think the more the more powerful statement, which um I am sure many of your students experience is in that 14 days, knowing what questions are actually important to ask. Yeah. Because so often we're like, if I could just get an answer to my questions, well, frankly, my questions suck. So, Mm -hmm. um, what I really want to know is how to ask the questions that I want the answer to, because the answers to my questions aren't going to give me shit with the mindset that you have going into that, right? Um, In being very careful how I approach this, because I'm very empathetic and sympathetic to what COVID did to many, many families. However, this is one of the things about COVID that I think served our. Um, society in ways that most people haven't even understood yet, which Mm -hmm. is that pattern interrupt and that forced stop and that forced slowdown that caused people to step back and say, wait a minute, I've been in this pattern and almost this hypnotic trance for the last 20 years of my life going to work and coming home and going to work and coming home that I didn't even take time to realize that I wasn't happy or living my purpose. And then, you know, they get to spend time at home with their kids for a year and a half. And then their business says, okay, it's time to come back. And they're like, fuck you. I'm not coming back. Like <laughs> let's, let's figure out a solution. And, and that whole journey comes along with all of these feelings and confusions and questions about, like, I thought I had what I wanted mm-hmm. until I got it. And then it was it being taken away that made me realize that that wasn't what I wanted at all. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we, and, and we'll start to wrap up with this. I believe that our definition of success is always changing. I believe that mm-hmm. we we have to be aware of the fact that what we want today might not be what we want tomorrow. In your opinion, how do we own that and understand that while also feeling like we are accomplishing the things that matter now and not constantly hitting the reset button?
1: I look back on my life. And the things that have mattered, the things that have fulfilled me has never wavered, has always been the same. So in that sense, my definition of success, if you want to use that word, um, I would maybe use a different word for various reasons, but maybe fulfillment, you know, um, has never really changed. Um,
0: Just the wrapping paper?
1: Just the wrapping paper. And, and you know, I went back and I said I was going to circle back to when I was five. And I told you how I was, you know, lining my stuffed animals up, giving them a Sunday school lesson. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. My mother has a picture of me. I think I'm in my diaper doing it. Um, <laughs> not at five, yeah, I'm sorry.
0: I'm telling you that. But, but no I was, you know, Aaron is changing more lives than Pastor Aaron yeah.
1: would absolutely um but the that but that call to be of service to people and to hold space for people has always been in my heart you know hold space for people at blue osa my yoga retreat you know we're committed to holding space for people just to be themselves and show up however they show up and you know to heal and and that space you know is a healing space for so many. And really, we don't do much. We just basically hold the space, make sure that they're taken care of. And so that drive inside of me to minister to people has always been there. But it definitely, the wrapping paper has changed you know, numerous amounts of time. And I think that for a lot of people that if I had one piece of advice, it's to delete the word success and failure from your vocabulary. Like for me, whether I'm helping one person in a one-on-one session or a thousand people, you know, in a big auditorium, for me, the juice is the same. I'm being of service. And that's what I hold. I don't hold the idea of like, you know, I've serviced so many people, you know, that doesn't Mm -hmm. really do it for me. What does it for me is the continuation Mm -hmm. to be of service and to hold space for people in whatever capacity I can.
0: I love that so much. You know, my, my, um, relationship with success has shifted a lot in Mm the last eight years Um, It's still a driving metric for me. However, the metric has shifted and the way that I measure it has shifted. And I love your replacement of the word success with fulfillment um, Mm -hmm. because I do think that they go hand in hand. Um, I remember sitting in a therapy appointment talking to my therapist about how I was such a failure and Mm. all I wanted to ever be was successful and why didn't I feel successful? And all I feel like is that I failed. And I'll never forget her pointing out the six figure income, the law degree, the first person in my family to go to college, the not living on the street, supporting myself. I'm a single person. I'm taking care of myself. And then she said, what does success mean to you? And I said, why am I 34 years old? And nobody's ever asked me that question before, right? Like, what (laughs) what is it that we actually want? And so I encourage my clients to go hand in hand with what you said. Um, I encourage my clients to determine a micro Mm. definition of success. Not like we need a macro definition of success, which is impacting lives and helping people and whatever that looks like. But we also need a measuring stick for the day. And we Mm -hmm. need that that micro-definition of success. When we lay our head down on the pillow at night, we can know that our day was a success because of X. And I think that the fulfillment aspect, that true peace that so many of us don't ever get to tap into is Mm -hmm. what comes as a result of looking at those micro-definitions of successes instead of the big, massive accomplishments that we were told our entire life we're supposed to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I could talk to you for ever. Um, you yeah. and I have, it's so interesting because I'll think, yeah, I'm on board with what this guy's saying, and then you'll say something and I'm like, oh, interesting. Like,
1: <laughs>
0: that was interesting. Um, and I love those conversations so much. So yes. if anyone's listening to this and wants to learn more about you or connect with you, what is the best way for them to reach out?
1: Go to my website, yogiaran.com. Uh, Yogi Aaron, dot ncom And I have a ton of uh, free stuff on my website. People can access a lot of things on my YouTube channel. There's um, a lot of, obviously a lot of yoga classes. um, And, but there's also a lot of talks like this that I've given on my YouTube channel as well. So that's, yeah, access the world of Yogi Aaron there.
0: (laughs) I love it. Erin, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been absolutely amazing to be able to connect, learn a little bit about you and share your amazing mission and energy with, with the audience. So thank you for showing up and being with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a real treat.